Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this episode of Live Mike 151, episode number 151. I'm your host, Lee Lonsberry. Today on the program, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about school, specifically uh, the experience of both teachers and kindergartners. Yeah, we on the program today will be joined by UEA President Heidi Matthews. We're going to talk to her a bit about how the teachers are handling things uh, statewide, what their attitudes are, where her attention is placed right now. And then later on in the program, we'll be speaking with Erica Bradshaw. She's the president of the Canyons Education Association, the union representing teachers in that district. And she uh, has a, a survey that she has conducted amongst the teachers represented by her union and the results of that survey, which essentially ask teachers, what's your comfort level when it comes to returning to the classroom? And the results that she got uh, are, are in stark contrast to some of the numbers being released by the school district itself. The school district is uh, touting a 98% intent to return number. And the Education Association is touting uh, a survey result which says that about 60% of the teachers there are uncomfortable with returning. So you see there's a, a subtle difference between the two questions asked. Do you intend to return is the district's question. And the union's question is, are you comfortable returning? And you can understand the pressures, right? You need a paycheck. You got to keep the lights on. You got to pay the rent and the mortgage. Keep food on the shelves. And if, the, if your only option to accomplish that is to go into the classroom, uh, you may disregard your own comfort. We'll get into that later on in the program. We'll also be discussing a, an amendment introduced into the Defense Authorization Act. That's the big uh, De Department of Defense, the Pentagon spending bill, uh, which just yesterday passed the House. There was an amendment in there inserted by Representative Ben McAdams dealing with nuclear weapons testing. Yeah, nuclear weapons testing. Uh, we here in the United States have not tested a nuclear weapon, uh, or at least detonated one, since 1992. And uh, a short while ago, the Trump administration did sort of telegraph uh, the, its intention to maybe get back in the business of testing atomic weapons. Well, that scared a number of folks uh, on both sides of the aisle both in Congress and in industry and elsewhere in academia. And so it was that uh, Representative McAdams introduced uh, this legislation, or this amendment rather, to the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which would bar uh, future spending on nuclear weapons testing. So the House has passed it. Uh, the Senate will have to do its job. Uh, and we'll be speaking to S uh, Representative McAdams later on in the program. He's going to talk to us about why uh, he introduced this amendment, what it means to have passed it. And we will also be speaking to Jim Matheson. You remember Jim Matheson? Of course you do. Former Utah representative. He's currently the CEO for National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. And if you think back a long time ago, you know, he lost his father, former Governor Scott Matheson, to cancer. 
that many blamed on the fact that the former governor lived downwind from the Nevada test site where atomic tests were conducted in the 50s and 60s. And it was Jim Matheson who year after year after year, while he was in Congress, attempted to introduce just the amendment uh, which Representative McAdams has a, been able to now attach to the Dis Defense Authorization Act. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But we'll be speaking to uh, both the current and former representatives about this big deal and about this piece of legislation and what it means to uh, not only the country, but in the case of uh, Mr. Matheson, uh, what it means to his family and to him personally. All right. With that said... Let's turn back the clock to the year 1990. A young Lee Lonsberry woke up, ate some breakfast, and at 7.42 in the morning, stepped outside of the kitchen door, walked down the driveway, and stood on the side of the road waiting for the school bus to arrive. It was raining, and young Lee Lonsberry was wearing uh, a yellow rain jacket with a blue stripe across the chest and the back. And the school bus pulled up. And the bus driver opened the door. And I remember, I remember when I looked up and I saw the bus driver, he looked exactly like uh, Wilford Brimley. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Wilford Brimley, but it looked exactly like him. And I don't remember where I had seen Wilford Brimley at that age, but uh, I, I knew that, that I thought for a moment he looked familiar. Anyway, I got up on the bus, uh, I found myself a seat. It, it wasn't quite like Forrest Gump's experience. I, I was able to find a seat quite quickly, and people were very kind, and it was nice, and it was a wonderful uh, first boarding of a school bus on my first day of kindergarten. The bus, uh, Route 1, finished its route and deposited myself and the rest of the children at the school. And I uh, was met by a teacher who had a sign who said, uh, all the new kindergartners come this way. So we went to the sign. I'm not sure if I could read by then, but somehow I made it to where I was supposed to go. And we ended up, uh, I ended up rather, in the classroom of Mrs. Estruge. And Mrs. Estruge was my teacher that year. And one of the first things that we did was she told us about the, the carpet squares, the carpet samples where when it was either story time or group instruction time or whatever it was when the whole class was gathered together that we would first go over to the carpet sample rack and we would select a carpet sample, we would place it on the floor and that's where we would sit uh, and hear the stories. And I remember still to this day, I remember the carpet sample that I chose. It was gray and it was comfortable. And I remember one day Jake Santabria tried to grab my carpet sample and I, uh, I pushed him out of the way, and I said, no, 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 that one's mine. And I picked it up, and that's where I sat. And I remember uh, all of those things happening on the first day of kindergarten. And it was a wonderful year, and it was a wonderful time of life. And I reported for school every day, full day. And it set in motion uh, my educational career. I made friends during that, uh, during those first few days uh, that I still have regular contact with today. And so as I think about the kindergartners who are starting school this year or who are looking forward to starting school, especially the ones with older siblings who are able to pass down all of the excitement and memories and experiences of school, you know this. You've seen your uh, would-be kindergartner get all excited. Maybe you've done some school shopping already. 
I have a little nephew who is slated to start kindergarten in just a few weeks, and he has just learned that the plan for his school is that he will do half day, two days a week. And it's kind of a heartbreaking thing. Because I remember how excited I was and how much fun and how much I got from the friendships that I developed, from the lessons that were taught, and from the simple fact of being away in some new environment where I had to explore and learn and get tough. And it'll all be different for uh, kindergartners this year. That is if they go. That is if they go. Because as you know, kindergarten here in Utah is optional. I wonder how many parents are reconsidering enrolling their youngster in kindergarten this year. Are you one of them? I'd like to hear from you. Would you leave me a voicemail? Share with me your thoughts on the upcoming school year if you have yourself a kindergartner or a would-be kindergartner. Have your plans changed? Are you going to redshirt, as sometimes they say? Hold on to your kindergartner for one more year? Send him or her next year? Tell me what you're thinking. Share with me your thoughts or maybe even your decisions. Please do so at the KSL News Radio comment line. It's 801 575 7668. 801 575 7668. We talk so much about uh, the poor seniors, the poor class of 2020 that had their experience upended. Well, I, for the past few days, have been thinking about the other end of the spectrum the youngsters, the youngest school aged children, the kindergartners. What will their experience be like? And can we help it? Quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Heidi Matthews, UEA president. We're going to be talking about what teachers are saying. Are they comfortable with the plans being floated around the state right now? And how about the big school board meeting for the Salt Lake City School Board? Uh, That's coming, uh, or I'm sorry, the school district. That's coming up today at 4 o'clock. What will we learn then? What should we pay attention to? That's all ahead next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. That's an impressive sounder right there, right? That's some intense music. That means we're talking about an important topic, of course. Coronavirus in classrooms. And of course, it's, it's, it's important. For so many reasons. <clears throat> First and foremost, there's your health and safety. And then there is the education of your child. And then the very practical concern of... Where will my child be in the fall because, you know, I've got to get to work, you know? These are all natural stresses, and these are all uh, the questions that we are well aware of here at KSL News Radio. And on this program and on others, uh, we're doing what we can to, to keep them answered and to keep you informed uh, as best as possible so that you, as you and your children, march further and further and closer and closer to uh, the start of school, that you'll know exactly what's going on, that you'll be fully informed, and that you'll be able to make decisions that are uh, appropriate to your family and to your comfort and to your desires. There are other factors to consider as well as this school year uh, nears, and that is how are the teachers doing? How are they feeling uh, around this whole state? I have heard so many varied claims where, oh, teachers are very eager to get back in the classroom. Uh, That's almost 100% intend to be right back here reporting for duty. And in some of the private conversations I have had, particularly with teachers, friends of mine, Teachers within the Salt Lake City School District, there is intense anxiety, especially after the announcement recently by Governor Herbert that he would be allowing schools uh, or regions of the state, which are within the orange classification, Salt Lake, 
to, uh, to, to restart in-school or in-person instruction. Some of the teachers who uh, would be offering that in-person instruction are very nervous. Anyway, uh, to help understand uh, what's going on more broadly, I've invited onto the program Heidi Matthews, UEA president, who joins me now. Uh, president, how are you? Uh, doing, doing as well as can be expected. Thank you. How are you hanging in there? I, I know this has got to be a unique and trying times. Uh, the, the, the pressures and the questions that you have to answer and the concerns you have to address are unprecedented. Are you holding up all right? Well, it, you know, it, it has been challenging. But, you know, teachers, we're, we're, we, don't, we don't shy from that. And this is why we exist as the Utah Education Association as, as well as to, to help bring the voice of educators into, into these policy decisions. And, and now more than ever, that's what we really need to be able to do to keep our, our kids and our, and our educators safe. Do you think that the voices of educators have been sufficiently heard as uh, schools and districts have made their plans? I think that we are all over the place in terms of um, what the risks are in certain communities in, in our state. We have some where, where the virus is, is just spiking and spreading and others where it is um, – you know, not really much of a thought at, at all. And so that makes for very different district plans for reopening schools, and it makes for very different um, risk factors for our educators going into schools. But I think where we are all the same is that we want to get back to school. We want to be with our students. We want student learning to continue so our kids can thrive and, um, and learn and grow. Um, but we need to be able to do it safely and, and that, take proactive measures so that we don't just open up quickly and then have to shut right back down again because we have so many people infected. Understanding, of course, that the needs of each district are different, uh, you know, based on their experience with the coronavirus. But uh, as specifically as you're able, is there a district that stands out to you as, as really handling this well? Uh, maybe uh, one you see as a model for others? You know, the, the plans are not specifically due until uh, August 1st, and so we have yet to, to see many of them. I have seen some really wonderful plans for, uh, for, for teachers to be, and educators to be able to um, set forth their requests for um, consideration of being at high risk. And what does mm. that mean? Does it mean that they need more PPE in the classroom, or does it mean that they need some um, ADA accommodations and being able to allow for those individual conversations to to be heard. Um, I've seen some really good conversations or some good plans that that look to um, uh, staggering schedules and getting really creative with how we can manage our space with our large class sizes in Utah, how we can give options to to our families to be able to choose what works for them in terms of their sense of safety. Is it remote? Is it uh, uh, in, in person? Or is it somewhere where in between? Um, I've seen some great plans that really focus on the equity of, of our, our students, our families. You know, this pandemic has not been experienced equally across our state. And our, our more vulnerable populations, our people in poverty, our our people of color, our, um, 
our students with learning disabilities have had a much more challenging time and, and time during the pandemic and um, and really need some additional resources and, and support to be able to get back to, to learning and um, the safety of school. So those those aspects of plans, I think, are really strong. Where we're seeing some gaps, though, are on in some considerations of, of some requirements um, and, and requirements that are, you know, more more lofty than than others. You know, having to do with with physical spacing. I think that anything that ends with a, a comma, this is required when feasible, is mm. a problem. So we understand that that you know wearing a mask when feasible is is an important kind of consideration. We have medical reasons for masks not being able to be worn. We have some yeah. students where this would really exacerbate their their anxiety. But I'm talking about the um, the exception of when we say we're not going to do this because it's not feasible given the resources that we have. We just don't have enough money to do it. That's sure. really concerning to me. Yeah. Feasible is quite a non-specific term. <laughs> it, it is, and yeah. you know, in, in in our eyes, it's really all about the resources, and those are resources from the district and the state, and and the federal government as well. You know that there's a the Heroes Act or Heroes Act 2.0, which is mm. you know coming forward and being discussed right now at a federal level, will will help. But we we need resources to make sure. Our teachers have the, the equipment that they need. Our schools have updated ventilation systems that we can have supervision for those who have parents who, who work, um, that we have adequate spacing within, within our schools, um, that we're able to get those resources to students who, who don't have that, the digital technology to do things remotely. And it all takes, it all takes funds. Yeah. The Salt Lake City School District will host a board meeting today at 4 p.m. Will you be paying attention to that? So, yeah. So, you know, we've got we've got eyes all over the place yeah. really trying to, um, to to work to to shape the, the the plans. I know that Salt Lake in particular was was a bit taken aback by the change of the definitions of the the colors of, right. of the zones and that has caused a considerable concern within within the the, the teachers in and the salt lake education association mm-hmm. um i live here in, in in park city um there's a board meeting tonight for also the approval of of their plan um and we're watching those very carefully we're also meeting with our leaders and our members in the next um coming week with with kind of a uh, backstop of here, what UEA recommends here again, can in all of these different areas um, and does your local plan meet up to what science is recommending, not just politics, but what the science recommends uh, for keeping people safe right. and, and healthy in the return to school. Outstanding. Uh, I hate to cut this conversation short. I have so many questions I'd still love to ask you, but uh, I do need to take a break. Uh, We've been speaking with UEA President Heidi Matthews. Uh, President, thank you so much for your time and the attention you're paying to the the needs of not only teachers, but also uh, students across this great state. Look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much. All right. Quick quick break. After the news, we're going to come and look at the halting of this $600 unemployment payment coming from the federal government. 
How are folks going to handle that? And will the payments resume? We'll dig into that big issue next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. We are in the final half hour of today's program, and we're going to dedicate the remainder of this program to education and the plans uh, being crafted by the various districts and schools. Uh, you remember the due date for finalization and publication of these plans is August 1st. That's a deadline that has been handed down by the state school board. And so you as a parent, uh, you can uh, you can know that come August 1st, whatever the plan may be, you will be made aware of it uh, on August 1st. That's the Those are the rules. And so right now, we are in the midst of a pretty frantic season uh, of putting together plans, uh, putting together information that will be beneficial to not only students uh, and parents, but also teachers. Yeah, teachers. We have to always remember that the teachers are a vital portion of this, uh, this grand equation. And I, I've got a special place in my heart. Some of my best friends uh, are public school teachers. Uh, my mother, my mom, in fact, uh, when... Uh, when I was young, she went back to school, got her master's degree, and uh, started teaching school, which she has uh, continued to do. She's a, a middle school history teacher, and she right now is in the midst of this herself, uh, an era of uncertainty, not exactly sure uh, what will happen come the fall. Will she be back in the classroom every day? Will she be uh, in her living room or in her home office uh, teaching remotely every day? Will it be some hybrid combination of those two or, or something else altogether? Uh, she doesn't know. And her experience is uh, much the same as the experience of many teachers uh, around here in Utah. And, uh, and so as these plans are formulated, the, the, the various districts are reaching out to uh, the teachers, asking uh, both their attitudes and their intentions. And, uh, well, there was <clears throat> some data released by the Canyons School District recently. Uh, and it asked the question uh, of teachers, is it your intent to return to the classroom? In fact, the, the question was asked uh, exactly this way. Do you in intend to return to your in-person teaching slash working assignment in fall 2020? The response from teachers was 98% yes. And to break that down in terms of real numbers, there were 25 teachers uh, that said no. So 98% of the teachers in the Canyon School District indicated that they intended to return to in-person teaching or working uh, come the fall. But that question and that percentage may be misleading if your curiosity is really about the comfort level of those teachers. Joining me on the line now is Erica Bradshaw. She's the president of Canyons Education Association. She's also a math teacher at Hillcrest High School. Uh, Erica, thank you for your time. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thanks for having me on. Now, you and I, uh, you and I had a brief conversation earlier this morning. You were explaining to me the distinction between uh, the survey results, which I just shared, uh, which were released by the school district, and... Uh, a survey that you yourself and the Education Association conducted uh, where you found uh, some, some different results. W w what did you ask of teachers and what did you find? Well, our survey was um, drafted very differently, whereas the district survey was really looking for raw data on are you intending to come back, um, meaning, you know, do you still want a job? Um, yeah, 98% of teachers do want to be employed. We were asking, are you comfortable 
being in the classroom, considering all of the different aspects of the district's plan. So we listed things like what um, uh, personal protective equipment was going to be available, the sanitization um, and disinfectant procedures that would be going on, um, the plans for uh, social distancing, which is really not available in Utah schools, um, wearing masks and things like that. And our respondents, we had over 700 respondents, and there's about 1,800 certified employees in the Canyons District. So of those, we had about 60% saying that they were not comfortable um, returning. Now, this was before the governor's mask order. So thank you, Governor Herbert. That has helped to leave a lot of fears. Um, but there's still a lot of concern about the safety of teachers, their family members, and their students. Have there been any talks uh, in the association or with te- with associated teachers uh, about doing something about this? What what, what uh, is their action proposed uh, if if they should ultimately be unhappy with the the plan proposed by uh, the the district or what happens next? Well, um, at this time, we're actually just really watching closely. We're keeping track of cases in the cities within our district and statewide um, and looking at the trends. Um, When I spoke at the July 14th school board meeting, I actually asked the school board to consider having some type of a threshold where we had below a certain number of Mm. cases before we could consider in-person reopening or a certain downward trend for 14 days. Um, But ultimately, because of issues with equity and um, directives from the state school board and the governor, they opted for a five-day in-person regular schedule. Um, And I know we're all trying to do our best for the students and for the teachers and for the stakeholders, and there is no perfect answer. Um, But we were hoping maybe we could start off by either delaying school or starting with some type of a hybrid schedule before we immediately um, pushed into uh, a five-day, you know, in person uh, Mm -hmm. with all of our students. Did did you have a threshold proposal, or was that ever uh, from any of the parties involved? Was it was an actual number uh, ever ever decided on? Um, not not, not decided sorry, on, but but that? proposed. So like the as you as you measure case counts and such, was there a number that the association would be uh, you know comfortable with should the cases drop below or something like that? I just the the reason well, I ask is I, I have been I've been I, when I hear of thresholds. Uh, I have never been able to nail someone down and get a, uh, a concise answer. The, the closest I've gotten is the, the governor's uh, challenge for us to get uh, underneath a statewide rolling average of 500. Uh, and so that, that's the closest I've gotten. Uh, were, there ever, were there ever any specific numbers discussed on your end? Um, no, I mentioned uh, Dr. Dunn's. Um, on June 22nd, mentioning uh-huh. the 200 caseload. We also talked about uh, the governor's um, 500. Yeah. Um, so, no, a specific number wasn't um, discussed. We were just hoping maybe we could, you know, instead of jumping into the deep end, get our toes wet and then maybe wade in a little bit. Yeah. All righty. Uh, well, our, our time's expired. I'm so sorry. There's much more I'd like to discuss with you, but I'll have to say goodbye for now. Maybe we can uh, connect again here in the near future. Erica Bradshaw, president of Canyons Education Association, also uh, a math teacher at Hillcrest High. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you, and thank you to Canyons District. We know this has been difficult for everybody involved. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, Listen, I'm going to take a break right here, but what I want you to do is would you pick up your phone if you are a parent uh, in any of the districts around uh, the state, or maybe you're a teacher. Would you call in and let me know how you are feeling these days? Uh, are you comfortable with the plan your district has thus far uh, made known? If, if the district has yet to reveal a plan, uh, are there aspects that you would like to see in place uh, to help your comfort level? Uh, leave me a voicemail. It's 801-575-7668. Again, 801-575-7668. When we come back, I'm going to share some of these great voicemails with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I don't envy you parents with school-aged children right now. It's got to be hard. I-, I can't even imagine. Especially you with the youngest of children, the youngest of school-aged children, those, uh, those little kiddos who for the past number of months, maybe, maybe the last couple of years, have looked to their older siblings who have gone off to school each day and as those days ticked by, got more and more excited about the day that they would step onto the school bus or step into the classroom for the very first time for their first day of kindergarten. You know, I know their, I know their little minds are, are small and still developing and they don't have uh, big, broad understandings, but they do have uh, hopes and excitements And they do have fantasies and curiosities and wonders. I know that because I remember my own first few days in school. I remember... I remember a legitimate fear that I had, uh, and I voiced it to my grandma on the phone. On on the tradition in the Lonsbury house when I was growing up was Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings, uh, because we lived very far from my grandma and grandpa and long-distance phone calls uh, were were expensive, Saturday mornings were the time reserved uh, for myself and my sisters uh, and my mom and dad to get together and and huddle around the phone and talk to uh, Mama and Papa off in St. Louis. And I remember uh, a few Saturdays before I started uh, kindergarten, I was so deathly afraid because I thought I thought that I wasn't yet ready for school. Why? Very specifically, I couldn't remember the seven continents. I don't know why I got that into my head, but for whatever reason, because I wasn't able to rattle off all seven continents, I thought that I was not yet qualified to start kindergarten. Those are the types of thoughts that I know are uh, running through the heads of, of little children. Yeah, as they, as they wonder about what kindergarten will be like. And it's going to be all different this year. And I don't envy you parents that have to deal with this. My little baby Piper, she's, uh, she's not yet even nine months old, so we've got some years before I need to start worrying about this, and she needs to start fantasizing and thinking about her first day of school. But some of you right now are facing some tough decisions, and I don't envy you. I don't envy you one bit. I, earlier in the program, I asked for some reactions uh, from parents. I asked for, for voicemails, and there were uh, many of you were very generous uh, to share your, your time uh, with me and share your thoughts uh, with me because, uh, well, at least in the terms of uh, kindergartners, you know, here in the state of Utah, kindergarten's optional. Yeah. You don't, you don't necessarily have to send your child to kindergarten. The minimum uh, school age is six years old. Anyway, so with that in mind uh, and the other realities of this upcoming school year, I, uh, I, I put out uh, a request uh, what do you think? How are you doing? How are you navigating these uh, these waters as the various districts around the state 
uh, present their plans and present the options to you as you, a parent of school-aged children, uh, have these big decisions to make. So let's walk through some of these voicemails. Uh, I have a handful of them here. Uh, here's a gentleman who says he will not be putting his kids in school. You know, I don't want my kids to miss school. That's important, socially important, for their development, for their mental state. But because we have politicized masks, we cannot get rid of an airborne virus. My kids will not attend school until it's gone. And if you did put your kids in school, you need your head examined. Hmm. All right. Here's another gentleman concerned about masks for students and teachers. It is a complete outrage to expect kindergartners or grade school children to wear masks. Uh, they don't get they won't they don't get as much oxygen as they should. Number one, and most importantly, the facial expressions from their teachers uh, are extremely important. And actually, that wasn't most importantly. Most importantly, uh, the data is telling us that students of this, from this age group, from K through 12, have almost no chance of dying from this virus, almost no chance. In fact, nationwide, there's been very few, if any, students uh, K through 12 that have been, uh, that have succumbed to uh, the coronavirus. So let's just get rid of the hype, get rid of the masks, and go back to school. I'm pleased that that gentleman would share his thoughts with me. I need to fact check a little bit of that there. Uh, yesterday, we heard from a researcher at Brigham Young University who he, with a team of other researchers, dove uh, deeply into that question of uh, like oxygen deprivation or CO2 buildup. And, uh, and the, the findings of that exhaustive study was that that's bunk. There's no threat there, okay? The, uh, except for those with extremely rare uh, conditions and situations, the wearing of a mask uh, does not threaten your health, and that extends uh, even downward to young school-aged children. So just let that be known, uh, and I, you know, hopefully the, the gentleman who's listening could hear that. And, and I'm you know, open to having a conversation about it, sir. If you want to uh, reach back out, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Beyond that, though, uh, you know, God bless you. We've got choices to make, and that's the one that you've made here. Uh, you heard me share my kindergarten story. Here's a, another kindergarten story shared by a woman, a uh, sweet story about her daughter's first day. Hi, Lee. This is Ann from Brigham City. I have to tell you about my daughter's first day of kindergarten. I had an older son, and he'd go to first grade on the bus, and I'd say, see you later, alligator. And he'd say, after a while, I'll, I'll after a while, crocodile, and go out the door. Well, when it was Carol's first day of kindergarten, she got all excited, and I said, see you later, alligator. And she looked at me, and she said, goodbye, crocodile. And then she burst out into tears. She forgot what to say, and it just ruined her whole, whole first day of kindergarten. But she said it right after that. I just thought I had to tell you that. It's so funny. That is a good one. That one's sweet. That's very sweet. And it's the sweet stories like that and my own experiences and those of my siblings and friends uh, that break my heart just in two to, to know that this year will be a little bit different for, uh, for students like this. And you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so worked up about it because they're, they're resilient and they'll form their own memories and have their own fun experiences. Uh, last voicemail I want to share here comes from a gentleman who works as a nurse uh, and says he, in fact, will be sending his kids back to school. Uh, yeah, I am a home health nurse. Uh, I live in uh, Kaysville. My children are in junior high, and they will be going to school. With a uh, face mask mandate, that has actually reassured more safety for the kids and for the teachers as well. Uh, no fear about it. I see patients every day in their homes, and I feel that if the masks 
are mandated, they will be safe, as will the rest of the students in school and the teachers. Thank you. Good common sense founded there in the fundamentals, the very basics which we have been taught from the very beginning of this. All right, that's enough on coronavirus for one day. Uh, just a few moments left here in today's episode of the program. I want to remind you that in uh, just a few minutes' time, it's expected that the President of the United States will deliver uh, an address from the White House along with the rest of his coronavirus task force. Uh, he also will likely, I predict, speak about uh, an executive order dealing with the census and illegal aliens. That's coming up. We'll cover it here on KSL News Radio. That's it for me. I'll step aside, make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings to you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news here on KSL News Radio.